Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, the excited Richard Geiger. I love cider. (laughs) Doesn't everybody? We are ecstatic to have you back with us again this week. Um, We have some interesting topics to go over. Uh, We're attempting to keep topical, so we're going to talk about the presidential race. No, no, let's scratch that. Actually, we're going to talk about Soundgarden. <laughs> very topical. Very topical. I mean, the time appropriate. Uh, very much so. And uh, we're going to continue on with our history of comic book movies. In 2007, we are going to talk about Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Which kind of, in a way, dovetails nicely with the other topic that we have, movies that we would like to see redone better. Now, I know on this topic, I'm going to kind of stick to comic book properties, but we may stray off of that, but mm-hmm. we'll kind of see. Um, well, let's just kind of jump right into it. Let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about Soundgarden, because I can never talk too much about uh, Chris Cornell or Soundgarden, as they are favorites of mine but you had a specific question that came to mind to you about Soundgarden I did now uh, this question could be posed for a lot of bands but since it's one of our favorites in listening to Soundgarden I, I came just with the thought of if this if this album if this band uh, was new if these albums were released now would they be as popular or as enjoyed now as they were, you know, 20 plus years ago when they were released? Like, are they, do they stand the test of time? I guess is a real question. Well, I'm not even sure if it's a matter of standing the test of time, because when you mentioned that particular question to me, there were a couple of things that just kind of jumped out at me as important notes to consider about whether they will be successful today in the same way they were successful back then. I mean, one, obviously, both of us think in terms of how strong the band is, how how good was the writing, how good was the execution, how good was the, the blend uh, of how they were able to create something special. But I think it's more than just that. It's a matter of do they fit into the general consensus of what is popular at the the given time because I think they were in a very special place when they came out. I mean, that was, that was the advent of a slightly different interpretation of rock music. Uh, I wouldn't call Mm -hmm. it an evolution. Some people would call it an evolution. It was not an evolution. It was just a refinement, uh, a slight tweaking in a couple of different ways, but a very good one. Um, Mm -hmm. with with all those different bands. And so since there were a group of them, and you could listen to the radio at the time, you had plenty of radios that would would have very specialized types of music they would play. You could listen to a classical station, you could listen to a country station, you could listen to a rock station, you could listen to oldies, you could listen to alternative, you can listen to hip-hop, rap. There were tons and tons of specialized radio channels out there. And if you wanted to listen to alternative, you know, if you were in the Indianapolis area, for example, you listened to like X103 back in the day. And that was, well, essentially the only station that played that sort of thing around Indianapolis, at least to my memory. Yeah, and where I was at, I did not get, I, I in the in the 90s, the majority of the 90s, it was South Bend stations, and the South Bend stations were pretty garbage. Or, or maybe in a more politically correct way, they did not play the type of music that spoke to your soul and, and lifted you on up high. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> U93 was the, uh, the bane of all music stations, in my opinion. And then there, were, there was like Sunny 101.5, which played more tolerable music. Sunny 101.5 would play... Um, Sounds like Beach Boys and Beatles. And- yes, so like they'd play oldies, but they wouldn't play necessarily like oldies rock, oldies light hits. You know what I'm saying? So you'd get, right. you'd get a sprinkling of some Beach Boys or things like that in there too. But 
none of what you'd think of as classic or class classic rock just like light hits is perfect perfect example of what there was and then there was 30 country stations so yeah it was bad there there was a uh, uh an npr station that i would listen to from time to time because they would play a random snippet of jazz every now and then oh that's fun so there was means to, to get something else but for the most part it was a pretty bland area to listen to the radio stations but music consumption now is not what it was at that time so if you think about uh uh, music stations. I mean, as far as I know, I think X one hundred three is still around. There is a there is a lot of changes to to radio mm-hmm. in the last number of years, and I've been on occasion curious enough to just flip through the dial of what's available, and it's gross. It's nothing. I mean, it's just you still have country stations. I mean, you're not going to get away from that in Indiana. There's Tons no of- way. Uh, you're still going to get oldie stations because, you know, a station or two. You'll still get classical, but I don't hear I don't hear jazz. I don't really hear hip hop in any in any recognizable form. I think there is one in indie. I just I the radio on my car sticks to the uh, ninety four point seven. Yeah. Which is a classic rock station. But it never is on the radio. I'm always streaming something else. Yeah. So I don't ever try to listen to radio stations. And when I get in my wife's car, it's on an indie station that is just, it's like like what U93 was before. It's just like the kind of sickening oh pop. God, it's so bad. And the thing is, the are you familiar with who uh, Lizzo is? Yes. Okay. So there, there's a Lizzo song that's, I mean, none of them, in my opinion, are, are that great but the same one every single time i'm in the car that, that song comes on and even, even the other day we started the car and we were getting in the car we were getting things put in the car we ran it we started it to get it warmed up and what i could hear it i didn't it wasn't even in the car it was that same stinking lizzo song every time so well that part really hasn't changed in terms of radio they have their set list and the thing that they're paid to play oh, yeah, over and over and over um so so that's not really any different however the consumption of music now is so so very different i mean you've got social media playing a certain aspect to it not not a lot of it i mean uh, twitter not so much facebook sometimes youtube for sure um plays plays some impact into that but in order to find new music where where do you look now where where do you get exposed to new music so that's a good question i think there's a couple really key ones that you may not even expect um something like spotify Right. Um, Apple Music. So I've got the subscription to Apple Music and there's always a section in there's a there's a for you section and it's all your recent plays. But then there's the ones that are on there, too, that are recommended for you. So Apple will pick, oh, if you listen to this band, you might like this band. And that's okay. That doesn't always work out. But then there's also right at the bottom a thing that says um, new releases. So you can go through any type of thing that just came out, and most likely, not all, most likely that album is going to be right there for you to be able to listen to. So even if it's a new, if it's a new artist, if it's an old artist that put out a new album, um, you don't get that advertisement for that new album. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, there's a new Ozzy album. Okay, like I didn't, you know, I didn't know about that. There's a new Three Eleven album that came out like a couple months ago, and I was like, okay. You know, like you don't know. There's maybe, no way to build that anticipation, kind of like there was. Correct. Like I feel, I felt like before <clears throat> in the '90s, I knew albums were coming out. I would go at midnight to the music store and purchase the new album that was going to be released on that Tuesday. Yeah, I remember those. But how did how did I, I even remember how I knew about? It. I knew about it though. Nowadays, there's not. There's well, I remember how I knew about it because there was a constant barrage of advertisement between television and radio that I I would hear it in one of those two, and I would know when the new CD was come out constantly. Um, I don't watch TV anymore. And a lot of people have cut the course, not in the traditional sense. We've got you know Netflix and uh, 
uh, all the streaming services, but they don't advertise in the same kind of way. Um, no, if you if you do, you, know, you could do uh, Hulu, for example, and you could do like the quote cheap version of Hulu, Hulu with ads. So yeah. you, you'd get some of those on there, but that's just that's for other shows and toilet paper and stuff like that. Sure. So let's input Soundgarden into this reality. Soundgarden originally got their groundswell a little bit due to word of mouth mm-hmm. in Seattle. But then it was the music companies that really pushed that sound and kind of spread it through the radio and the television. Without that same kind of backbone, I'm not sure that they would have been as successful. Well, a lot of a lot of new artists nowadays don't stick with a traditional label in a sense because you can do SoundCloud, for example, and promote sure. yourself. Sure. So... If it was a word of mouth thing, um, or maybe some ludicrous word of mouth, um, that can be stronger now because of things like social media. So sure, if you built sure. if you built your your status up by playing in local clubs, and your music was good enough, and the word spread, other people can spread the word now much faster than what you could in the nineties. That's definitely true. The word of mouth is stronger, but the advertising is weaker. Correct. So I think while they may have had some more success in the in the immediate level and then maybe quicker than they would have expected, I don't think they would have had the same kind of meteoric international rock star success that they had. It's just unless you're a bunch of Korean guys in a, a band very much trying to look like Backstreet Boys from 20 years ago. <laughs> BTS. <laughs> uh, you don't have that same kind of that same kind of s- strength of following. I don't, I don't think it, I don't think social media really works in the same way. But I, but I also think the type of music that people consume now is bad. But it's it, it is bad. But it's way worse in, in in a sense that it's a lot of do do people still play instruments in the bands and that's yes sometimes. But it's a lot of it is reproduced sound in a lab, let's call it, which if you have skill and you can build music that way, it's just a different type of skill. I get it. And then you put together like your you'd hire a touring band and that's what you go and you do your things with. But I just feel like the traditional rock band or kind of gone. Uh, the realm of the rock band is gone because a lot of it is poppy garbage and hip hop. That's not e- not the kind of hip hop we like. No, but that but the genre of hip hop has just expanded. It's just like there's so many different types of it now from so many different regions and so many different ways to create and things that you can do and. A lot well, of it's not very good, but and some of it still is. It's just that originally, like in the late '90s and the early 2000s, while there was quite a bit of hip hop, it was still a rather small community. You had New York, you had L.A., you had a little bit from the South, Texas. And that's about it. Yeah, no, no North Dakota rap. Not not so much, um, but well, Detroit. Um, but so, I mean, it was, it was still a very tight knit community. It was still kind of solidified. Try to kill each other. Well, yeah, but that's part of what solidified them is that cultural kind of, uh, shared heritage for lack of a better word. Mm, Yeah. Um, that's not the case anymore. It's kind of, it just, like you said, it's exploded and it's had so many derivations and tweaks and things have changed. You've still got some that are in that core area that's similar to what we had, but you've, you've got a lot. I mean, could you imagine Nerdcore 20 years ago? No. Could I? No. Right? Mm-hmm. No, because the nerd quote, nerd, has been more embraced recently right. in things like comic book movies. For yeah, sure. I mean, so, so so it's a really different environment. 
And like you said, with a combination of there being so many different types of music and the type that's really popular now is not what was popular then. I think that combination would would not have doomed uh, Soundgarden, but I, I maybe they would have gotten like a Greta Van Fleet level of fame where they, you know, all you have to do is sound like Led Zeppelin and uh, <laughs> be successful. <laughs> is is Maroon Five a rock band? I would not consider them so. No. That and that's I mean they're one of the most popular bands that is just a full set of guitars I'm, and drums and I like Maroon Five quite a lot. I'd, I'd call them a pop crossover, probably. Um, you know, take take that with a grain of salt. It's not exactly like my degree is in any form of music, but having listened to thousands and thousands of hours, as was quoted from one of my favorite movies, uh, <laughs> High Fidelity, <laughs> because it's awesome. Proudly have never seen it. Thank you. I will fix that. We will. We are going to sit you down. You're going to see that movie, and you're going to go, oh, there is one John Cusack movie I like. I still don't like John Cusack, but I like that movie. I think that's what's going to happen. Oh, uh, there is a... Is it, I don't know where it's at. Netflix, Hulu, High Fidelity. It's like a now. television series. I, I heard about that. It's got uh, Zoe Kravitz in it and a few other folks, but I don't remember what platform it's on. But yeah, that's out now. I don't, I don't know if I want to watch the television show. I thought in in one rare instance, even though it was, I mean, you can't get a movie that, that gets the book completely right. I think they did a good enough job to be able to make it into a movie period of time, there wasn't anything else that really needed to be said. Uh, at least that's, that was my impression. I'm sure there are others that would vehemently disagree with me. But what what would be a current rock band? Well, I know there there are plenty of current rock bands, but it's just a matter of what do you can are you talking about anything that plays rock and roll any version? Are you talking about heavy metal? Are you talking about alternative? Are you talking about just regular like bland old rock and roll? So, so when we look at the bands that were popular, so like Soundgarden or their contemporaries, Nirvana, more popular, Alice in Chains, probably more or equally popular, yeah. right? Pearl Jam, more popular. Um those types, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses was, you know, late 80s and then 90s and stuff like that. So um, uh, early uh, 90s. I would say there, to my knowledge, is not a current band that I would throw into the standard alternative definition that is currently making music. I mean, pretty much everybody we loved has died with the exception of Eddie Vedder with uh, Pearl Jam. And I haven't heard anything new from them in some time. And more importantly, I haven't heard anything I've liked from them in a long time. Um, and there's been not a lot of kind of regular Huey Lewis level rock and roll pop rock stuff that's been done in some time that I can remember hearing. Now, like I said, Greta Van Fleet is maybe the closest to that, but that's like a Xerox copy more than something that's original. It's a glorified cover band. You know, I'm probably that's going to follow me forever now. Uh, I apologize to the members of the band. You all sound fantastic. It's just every time I listen to you, I hear Led Zeppelin. That's could be worse. I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's plenty of good heavy metal that's coming out still. I mean, Seven Dust is still making music. Well, wait, Seven Dust was when did they start making music? Like late, like in the 2000s. So they're not they're not a new. A new band. No, no. You're talking about new, new. Yeah, so like somebody from maybe the last five, I'll stretch it, maybe even ten years, but like the last, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like a, a recent band that's Is doing rock Al- or metal. Alter Bridge older than ten years? I think so. Um, yeah, I don't know of any. And I, I know the one band that I've tried to listen to and like, oh, I might... I want to try and like these because apparently they're good. Was Mastodon, but Mastodon was from kind of fifteen years ago yeah. or so, and they're they're all right. They're sometimes, sometimes, yeah. So the, that that's I guess that's my point. Also, is that if a band like that came out now, 
they they just might not have an audience. Yeah. Where the majority of the the music, maybe I'm wrong, majority of the music right now is consumed from people younger than us. Right. Um, new music consumed from people younger than us, and people don't listen to that type of music anymore, which is sad. Yeah, it's definitely sad. But the the thing is, most of this is really just opinion, and everybody's got one of those. And in fact, we would really love to know what your opinion is. You should definitely let us know on social media. We are constantly online in some way, shape, or form, whether we're on Instagram or Facebook, uh, at Pudding Guys, pretty easy to find us, or at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter. Probably the most active that I am is on Twitter uh, recently, not so much. I've been working on some projects and haven't been as on as I have been in the past, uh, but we are also on Patreon. Now, Patreon maybe is the most important of the social media because for just $1 per month, you can help support us as we create new content, as we find new wonderful people to talk to, as we get new equipment and figure out how to not sound staticky on it. <laughs> uh, I think we did it. Well, I think we got it this time. The last episode may be a little, little buzzy, but I think we've, we've, we've tweaked it and fine-tuned it just a little bit here. Um, but just on that note, very briefly, soon, I would expect maybe within the next few episodes, I will be talking about a new thing that we are going to be releasing through Patreon here, probably around June. That's my initial release date hope. We are going to be expanding the database, basically the ultimate comic movie database. We're eventually going to be making it the ultimate pop culture database. That's what you're going to have access to with more information, more immediate searches, things that aren't available anywhere else. We're going to be able to give you a, a better idea of what it's going to be and what the cost is going to be. But uh, that was just a little tease. But, you know, on to the next big thing. On we go. Onward and upward. Or at least onward and sideways. Yeah, sideways. I like Sideways. Sideways is a good film. A lot about wine that I don't drink. Um, was the rant about Merlot? Is that what it was? Well, I seem to remember something of that nature. But it's wine, and I don't drink it. I just like the movie, and it was kind of uh, quirky. I like quirky. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I don't like is when somebody tries to make something quirky or make something awesome and doesn't understand the source material or doesn't cast things quite right or something between the inception of the idea and the resolution of it on screen just doesn't work. Now, don't don't misunderstand me. I applaud the effort. I appreciate all the hard work that everybody puts into it. The directors, the actors, the stuntmen, the writers. It's a lot of work to make a movie. But when so much is often wrapped up into some of these in terms of expectation and some of it has such a history and when it falls flat it really falls flat so there are some movies that we wish could get a do-over and maybe take a chance to become transcendent or at least above average what do you think richard uh, anything that matthew broderick is in Okay, so Matthew Broderick is untouchable. You know that. In fact, I would love to have seen him in The Untouchables. That would have been just stupendous. Him with the Tommy gun blinking every time that the uh, gun went off. That would have been charming in and of itself. I'd have made it a GIF. It would be my desktop pattern. <laughs> that would, well, you could market it maybe. I, I think it would work. Well, for me, uh, I like to keep it to comic properties. That's where a lot of my joy, a lot of my love is, um, it's kind of tied up into. I've got a lot of history with comic books and the translation of comic books into other mediums. Um, so I, I have a, I try to go into any movie with no expectations, but I'm never successful at doing that with a movie that I know is based upon a comic property that I like. Um, I think for us, that's a good subject yeah. piece, right? So we're been talking about this because there's been a lot of dis disappointment in the past for comic book or comic related things. I mean, we've been discussing them through 2006 yeah. and we've had a lot of meh movies that have been in there. 
Yeah, and, and and part of it is just growing pains as CGI gets better and directors and writers and actors get a better understanding of what it is that they have and what it is that they can create that is not the stereotypical presupposition that the average media consumer would have up until that point. It's matured. They, they understand. They're starting to get it. Oh, these are deep characters with history. These are interesting plots that can be more than just there's a fight and cool effects. Hopefully, cool effects. Uh, there, there. I mean, there's so many series, and I'm, I'm still now just catching up with uh, Umbrella Academy. So, I mean, it's that was a fun one. I liked it. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm only three episodes in, and this is one of the few comics I hadn't read before it was made into uh, something for Netflix. So, I actually have no idea what's happening, which is great. And it's, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic about that. But uh, back to things I'm less ecstatic about. Let's start with something easy, something I know we both must agree on. Um, Daredevil. What, you're, you, you're not a, a fan of Ben Affleck? I am a huge fan of Ben Affleck. I like Ben Affleck. Oh, so it's John Favreau then? I love John Favreau. Oh, wait, okay, I got it. Jennifer Garner. I like Jennifer Garner. <laughs> Maybe not love, but like. She's never done anything in a performance that's made me just go, yeah, no. Um, something just didn't work in that original film. There were elements that I liked. I remember that quite a lot. As much as people make fun of it, including uh, screen junkies made fun of it hard. Well, not hard, but they, they called it out, the, the new metal soundtrack. And calling it awful, which it wasn't. That soundtrack was just killer. It was so good. Um, I know you and your Evanescence. That's... Evanescence was amazing. And if you listened to the CD and then didn't see them live, you missed out because a live performance from them was not like the CDs. I mean, there were some similarities, but it was where it was, you know, very melodic and a lot of the things, it was much more rocking live. And it's, it, both sides I liked. There was just no downside. Love Evanescence. I love Nickelback. You heard me say it. I love Nickelback. There's nothing wrong with that band. Well, I don't mind the backs of Nichols. Well, maybe, maybe not nothing wrong, but they are not bad enough to be the butt of everyone's joke. Um, so, I mean, great soundtrack. The intro, the, the origin story part, I thought was done very well in that film. Um, yeah. Well, with the exception of just large barrels of hazardous waste sitting out in the middle of nowhere for no reason. Uh, I mean, that that's not a normal thing? Well, you know, I seem to remember there being a truck and, and a car collision, but I guess they, they couldn't do that in the movie. Um, eh, whatever. Um, but other than the introductions of the characters... The, it, there wasn't much else. It was cringy in a lot of places. Yeah. Is Nickelback from Canada? Probably. What about Evanescence? No, I don't think so. Okay. I'm just, I'm just checking. I, I know you seem to be focused. You think I love everything from Canada. Um, that that could not be farther from the case. Uh, the Like Canadian bacon. Eh, not a fan. Damn. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of ham. Um, but so, I mean, you you remember the film quite well. You remember what didn't work. I mean, what about it? Like you said, cringy, yeah. mm, cheesy, oh, over the top in, in a sense. Like you, you take that comic book realm and you build it on another character and you're probably okay. And I've never read Daredevil. I don't know the ins and outs of that character or the comic books that he was in, but I know enough to know that he's just not a he's not a PG character. Definitely not. So that that's part of the problem, right? Because you got to make that a PG thirteen movie, and back then PG thirteen movies had a different feel than what a current PG thirteen movie can feel like, right? Yeah. So different restrictions, but um, it, it just. 
it had a it had a kitty comic book feel to it instead of a comic book feel to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that uh, that isn't too far off <clears throat> from my thoughts, and that's why I liked the television show as much as I did. I thought their casting was much much more in tune with what it needed to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Ben Affleck. He is not Matt Murdock. Could never be Matt Murdock. Just isn't, at least I've never seen him act in a role that matches the tone of the character. So, I mean, that was part of the problem. Uh, I, I mean, as soon as he put on the suit, I actually thought he looked great in the suit and the choreography was good. It's just like the courtroom scene was bad and the 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 uh, playground scene with Electra was awful. Um, well, her her twirling the sides and punching the sandbags in the penthouse with the hardwood floors and whatever was if that was just once it would have been okay. She twirled it in every scene. I can see how that would get on some people's nerves, especially when the choreography was a little weaker around yeah. her character. Um, so, but the, the, the show, uh, for the Greek person, they got somebody that could more plausibly look Greek because <laughs> Jennifer Garner does not look Greek. Um, I don't know if that's the, the, the best way to put that, but if you've ever seen Electra in the comics, Jennifer Garner does not look like Electra. Could not even come close to looking. She's she's a beautiful woman. Does not look like Electra. Um, the the woman that got to play Electra in the show, dead on. Elodie Young. Yes. I guess I don't know my Greek people. Well, well, let me let me put it this way. You remember who they got to play her father? Yeah. Do they look related? Are you, are you talking in the in the, in the movie? movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the disconnect I'm talking about. <laughs> there, there is no way they share a family tree at all. And even even then, I I really truthfully, as much as I like the actor that played the father, he doesn't really to to what I he doesn't look Greek either. Truthfully, he looks maybe he's been he's been if you need somebody that's uh, that is some less known ethnicity <laughs> you get him to play it need somebody to be egyptian yeah yeah he can do that you need somebody to be middle eastern of some kind sure he can do that uh hispanic yeah, he could probably do that i mean it's, it's all greek to me <laughs> so it's it's a little weird but uh truthfully it's less less about that more about the tone the the show captured the tone so much better and now part of it i'm sure is that it's episodic it gets a chance to develop the characters to be able to give everybody a chance to shine um but and and the show wasn't perfect but no 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 it, it had some it had some missteps here and there but they were small in comparison i would love to see it redone Give Daredevil a movie with Charlie Cox as Daredevil. Keep the cast. Put that up. Will never happen. Probably not. I would love to see it, though. Just, I mean, even if it's not a movie on its own, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, put him in a Marvel movie for a split second. One scene. One scene. Have him show up in the next Spider-Man film. Spider-Man... Peter Parker, he's going to need a lawyer. He will now. Yeah, right? Uh, uh, it just seems like such an easy overlap. They did it in the comics many times. But, you know, that's one thing. And then, of course, the Electra movie was just... Gah. I was going to put that on this list that I would like to see them do an Electra movie. Uh, I would not. Good, Good supporting character yeah not 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 a character that i would want to see in a leading role there there are a lot of great uh female characters that could do lead well like like the uh, whole she she hulk um tv show they're going to be doing on disney plus there was a rumor that it was going to be allison brie 
Yeah, she said she kind of debunked those yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I know. I really wish that was true. I like her, and I maybe not the traditional look for, for She-Hulk necessarily. Because she's not seven foot tall? And green. Um, but I think, you know, I think that she could have done it really, really well. Uh, she's She's been good in the other stuff that I've seen her in. That would have been fun. But... Um, you know, there. You know, obviously, Captain Marvel was able to headline a movie. I mean, that wasn't perfect, but it was it was solid enough. And they've got a sequel. And as it, you know, there's a lot of great lead characters. Just Elektra is not not really one of them. We'll see one coming up in a few months. Oh yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that one. What about you? What's one that you'd love to see redone, comic or otherwise? Okay, so here's a movie that. I can uh, I can honestly say I have seen when it was in the movie theater multiple times in the movie theater. Now, this is when I worked for the th- in the movie theaters. Yeah, right? so, so not not exactly paying for each. Correct. Instance. But I um th- three times I saw this movie three times. So I liked the concept of the movie enough that I wanted to go back and see it. And still to this day, I appreciate watching it on TV. Um, Battlefield Earth. Oh, God. That thing was somebody just tried to take a piece of poo and shine it. That was not a good film. I don't think it could be a good film. The The original source material was written by a nut job. Correct, a nut job. But the elements of... That I like the sci-fi aspect of it. I like the fact that they're 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 picking a little bit on religion in that movie. Have you seen it? Have you? I unfortunately have seen it. But well, not, not three times though, right? I and, mean, and to be fair, I've seen bits and pieces of it, and I would get like ten minutes, like oh, I can't watch anymore. This Travolta is not good in this. Yeah, Tra- Travolta's kind of you know over the top in it, and then. You know, that's when he was still heavy in the Scientology. Is he still heavy in Scientology? As far as I know, he still is. Okay, so so the, the whole basis is, it, right, it was written uh, by someone who was just Scientology, Scientology, Scientology. And, and I get that because make up your own religion and, and do it, you know, whatever. That's not what I'm getting at here. It's just that. Yeah, we're, we're staying well away from religion and whether things are true. It's it's just more along the lines of the science fiction piece of it. I appreciated, I, I liked that. I liked where they were developing the characters. It's just that if I liked the movie, how much better could it have been had it been good? <laughs> That's a funny way of putting things. Yeah. I really like this movie, but just imagine if it was a good movie too. It, it yeah, would have been amazing. It would have been really good. Uh, I I don't think there's a way that, that that would ever develop into something that would be watchable. Now, part of it is in order to make it work, I would think that there would have to be an exploration, a, a, a great digging into the depth of a lot of things which you would not have enough time in a regular movie to do. If it had a series, maybe. I could see that. Maybe. Um, but as a movie, it would never work. No. Hell no. Is that why they've never done a sequel for it? Yeah. It was yeah. so successful the first time. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, so that, like I said, that one's, that one's a stretch. And I know that movie could have been w- without Travolta, with better money and power from something that's not Scientology, it could have been a lot better movie. Instead of it being like a 2 out of 10 star, it could have been like a 5 out of 10 star, which is twice as good as what it was now. So like, it could have been much better. I I just like, I don't know, there's something about, like that, everybody's got like one of their favorite bad movies. That's that is true. That's that's my favorite bad movie. Mine is uh, Ghost Dog: Way of the Samurai. Um, same uh, actor, uh, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, in both of those, he knows how to pick them. 
unfortunate or fortunately unfortunately no he he swings for the fences man i mean when he goes for a movie i don't think i've ever seen him in a mediocre movie it is either amazing or god awful there's no in between and it's not it's usually not his fault i mean like um some of the other films that he's been in um phenomenon love that film both him and travolta in that great movie I've seen it many times. Get a joy and a smile every single time. Uh, he was in Black Panther. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in The Air I Breathe. Great movie. I mean, he's he's been uh, the last king of Scotland. I mean, just he he can hit it out of the park, but he's he's just got some that are just oh. sometimes uh Maybe that's what. Maybe that's something that kind of confirms your theory that he saw that there was potential, <laughs> and it just wasn't. We got a good, good paycheck. Wasn't that could be too, but yeah, it's quite possible. What about uh, something from one of our favorite actors that's like, like a train wreck on his own sometimes? Uh, <laughs> that there was there was actually two of these films that were made, and some people would say that they were pretty good. Now those people would be wrong. But uh, it it was funnily bad in a way. I mean, it, it was enjoyably bad, kind of a, a fun B-movie. But I don't think that this should be a B-movie. And that would be Ghost Rider. Hmm. The first one and the second one? Or are you just talking about the first one? First one and the second. I, I kind of lump them together okay. because, I mean, it's the same, the same iteration, the same continuity, same characters. So... Um, I love Nicolas Cage to death. I mean, he's when he's good, he's great. When he's bad, he's awful, but so entertaining. Um, Face Off, one of the worst movies of all time. Right. And I, if it comes on, I'm going to watch it because he's just not great in it, but I can't look away. Oh, I mean, I mean. Gosh, we just talked about John Travolta <laughs> and him in it, and it's directed by John Woo. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a recipe for uh, uh, an upset stomach and a headache. Oh. <laughs> but so so he's super over the top in Ghost Rider, and yeah, that he first of all he should never have been cast as Johnny Blaze. No, no, is that was one of the worst instances of casting I've seen in any comic book movie. Um, but there was no plot, not really. I mean, they brought in one of, uh, one of, uh, Ghost Rider's more noteworthy enemies in the, in the first film. And they really didn't use him in the right way. And his henchmen were just kind of bland, didn't have much to him. And they weren't important characters from the comics in any specific way. The love story bit was, yeah. Not great. I mean, it wasn't terrible. It was surprisingly okay. I like Eva Mendes. Yeah, she's she's awesome in most things. Um, and it was just kind of when it needed to be great, it was bland. When it needed to be at least okay, it was awful. I mean, it just it just kind of fell short of that bar. But Ghost Rider should be frightening. I mean, just like like hair standing up on the back of your neck frightening he is a hero but he's not i mean well should here's a a question should should ghost writer be a standalone on its own oh yeah oh yeah this is this is a story that could be told and be fantastic in in today's market i think it could be done because it needs an r rating it has to have an r rating to work well would that would that fit better as a uh, eight episode, one hour per episode show or a two hour movie? I will say no to the show only for one reason. At least from what I've seen, most series have a certain amount of budget that they get for special effects. And Ghost Rider is so needing heavy special effects to make it work. I would say movie. It's got to be a blockbuster movie. I mean, for the most part... I didn't dislike the effects in the original Ghost Rider films. They were a little cheesy, but they weren't awful. I mean, they're, they're all right. But I mean, literally, you need to get somebody that's just kind of 
that can that can be frightening and only hints at over the top. Never actually gets there. I was thinking like Aaron Eckert could be a really good Johnny Blaze. Do face. Right. I mean, he's shown that he can do serious. He's shown that he can be funny without being like um, Robin Williams, attempting to be Robin Williams while he's trying to be funny. He can be dry funny. And he can do it while he's being serious. And and it flows. And it works. And that's what's necessary. When, when the Johnny Blaze character is generally pretty serious. Um when when he's done right, I mean they've tried. They've I've got to admit, if you look at some of the older Johnny Blaze stuff, it's it's kind of cheesy and some of its original stuff. So I, I can't fault them looking to that source material to a certain extent. But when it's done right, he's 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 dead serious, and the the Ghost Rider character should scare the crap out of you. Uh, and I I would love to see that in almost almost a horror presentation. Bring in. Bring in actually Mephisto. I mean, he, yeah, Mephisto was in the original one, sort of, but it was, it was, but it wasn't. Mm. Um, and he shows up just kind of as a dude. Yeah, okay, sure, I, I can understand why he did that again. The rating, but give it an R rating. Bring in um, Bill Skarsgård. Skarsgård. He could be Mephisto. You wouldn't have to make him up real heavy because in the he's comics, tall, skinny. he's tall and skinny. In the comics, Mephisto has kind of long hair. He has some demonic features, but it's mostly in the teeth, a little bit in the angular face. But that's it. It's understated. And we've seen from it that Bill can pull that off and pull off that. Mephisto should be normal one moment and then creepy creepy the next instead of bill have his brother do it yeah that's true either way i mean they, they're all fine actors i mean i think it, i think it could work I'd, li- I'd like to see that redone so i was thinking along the lines since you mentioned ghostwriter that spawn would be a good redo too but it is yeah, being redone it is so i won't include that one on this list or discussion because it has that has so much potential to be really cool too as an R-rated uh, movie. The original was R-rated, wasn't it? Um, which one? Spawn. Spawn. Yeah, yeah. the original was an R-rated. So, I'm but pre- I'm pretty sure it's being redone. So, I have a, a little known movie that I really, really, really like, and I think in today's modern big scene, big story setting could really take off with more money and um, different actors. Uh, have you ever seen the movie The Hunted? I do not remember. Uh, give me plot. Okay, so there is an American. He's in Japan, and he... What is it? What's the, the base part? So he... He, he stops someone from getting or sees someone, I can't remember the very beginning of it, uh, murdered by a clan of ninjas. And so then the ninjas are out to kill him. And the he he gets kind of teamed up, not teamed up with some, like the sect of samurais kind of come to protect him. So what ends up happening is it's, a, it's kind of a samurai versus ninja movie in a modern setting with this American who's kind of stuck in between. And the, this one's actually like the action sequences in this one are really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not cheesy ninjas like if you've seen Ninja Assassin, maybe like how that's just over-the-top ninja eat stuff. That was good, that was good 80s fair. Yeah, like, it's... This is more behind-the-scenes subtle stuff. Like, not over-the-top ninja, not... Not, um... It's like, uh... Flashy samurai. And I don't want to say flashy, but I mean, like, yelling, I've got my sword. Like, no, 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 no. This is more... Have it be like... Toned uh, down. Born Identity meets Inception. Kind of, in, in, in a sense. But like I said, with more 
with more money and a little bit better. Now, not that the so some of the actors in this one are really really good. Now, the main, the American, the main characters, Christopher Lambert, who is who is a a gem, uh, but does not always lend well to understanding what he's saying. Yeah, and and like there's some aspects of this that are kind of kind of cheesy. He's got to play someone who is is weak and vulnerable and can't fight with swords but ends up fighting the ninja master at the end with a sword and defeats it. You know, it's it's got bad segments to it. Yeah. But um there is uh John Lone and Joan Chen which are if you know who those those guys are, they're yeah. really good. Yeah, um, they're definitely good. Yoshi, Yoshio Harada, which if you've seen this dude before, bunch of stuff that this guy's been in. Yeah, he's been in tons and tons. Of, like maybe not, maybe not a lot of American things. No, but if you've seen anything from from uh, the eastern side of things, he's he's been in a ton of stuff, and he's always good. Yeah, and. I'm, if you've got an hour and a half to sit and watch this movie, honestly, it's really enjoyable because it takes you through, it takes you through like a modern day setting, but then brings you to like a countryside setting where, uh, like the samurais have their camp, their base. I don't know what you'd call it nowadays. It's like where they do their training and where they, um, is it a dojo? Not like that. No. I mean, they have, um, they have a blacksmith to create their, their weapons and their armor, and <laughs> uh, they live next to a lake, and I don't know. It's, it's like a village. Yeah, but not. Like Last Samurai. We are up in the mountains. It is the winter season. You cannot leave. Not because uh, it's mod- modern setting. Oh, that. yeah. My fault. Remember, modern <laughs> setting. So I'd, I'd like to see that one. I, I bet someone could see that movie and can take that movie and turn it from like uh, a C into an A. It'd be very easily done. You could have a big, it could be a better budget without having to be a big budget. Because oh, yeah. you don't need any special effects. Not really. Not Maybe some explosions. One. Yeah. And the story, if you, it's hard to describe the story where it sounds cheesy, where it's ninjas versus samurai. And that's kind of what it is, but it's not. And it's an incompetent American person that's stuck in the middle, which it kind of is, but it's not. The Americans actually like the the plot tool in this movie. Sure. So, yeah, that's that's one. If you if you have an hour and a half and it's on, it's hard to find. I don't ever see the movie anywhere, but it's worth watching. So you know what film really needs to be remade. Um, every DC movie. Well, you know, not every DC movie, but a good chunk of them. Uh, a movie that needs to be remade is our focus for the history of comic book movies from 2007. Hmm. What movie is that? Fantastic Four, The Rise of the Silver Surfer. So as much success as Marvel has had in the last decade, you can really see that before that, Marvel had some Missteps. <laughs> Now, now these are all Fox, like the ones we've talked about, right? So, right. like Daredevil, right. um, at the time, a Fox property. Was it? Was I it don't a, remember. I don't think that it was. It was a Paramount. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that one was a Fox one. Fox owned the X-Men and Fantastic Four, uh, but I think Daredevil was always owned by, by some other company. Um, but, you know, so this is the sequel to the, the previous Fantastic Four from 2005. Um, which I actually enjoyed. It wasn't perfect. We talked about this before. It, I liked the casting of it pretty well. Uh, I liked the plot of it pretty well. I mean, sure, they messed up Doctor Doom horribly. Mm. Yes. Um, but, you know, not a lot of missteps. The tone was light, which for a superhuman family team, the way that the Fantastic Four originally was, it kind of has to be light if that's the... If you're taking the kind of the original feel of it, well, we'll even look at the cartoons from the with the '80s. That's kind of cheesy, and a lot of them were. A lot of the cartoons, yeah. were, but like had that more lighthearted feel to but it. But they were almost happy. I mean, where there's a lot of angst in the X Men because you know 
were mutants, and it's a giant metaphor for racism and and uh, that sort of thing. Or where uh, some of the other uh, Spider-Man, where nothing can go right, everything is always going wrong, uh, you don't really get that with the Fantastic Four. They're explorers. They're trying to find new, I mean, it's like Star Trek, but just with, you know, a nerdy guy and uh, his his wife and brother-in-law and uh, just this dude that he likes a lot that tags along with him. It's just science. Right? But, so, I mean, I, I felt they got that tone really good. The tone didn't carry over quite as well into the sequel. Um, they tried to, to give them a little more peril with one of the dumbest plot devices that I think I've ever seen. Well, the the power change was unstable, and when we touch each other, we switch powers, and and that's the ultimate goal to defeating the main bad guy at the end of the film. Which is a whole nother story about why. Like, you have one of the coolest bad guys, and you make it a cloud. Yeah, that's just stupid. Now, here's the funny thing. Uh, talking about that cloud. So Galactus has never been a cloud in the comics. Ne- well, almost never. But when this movie came out, he had never been a cloud in the comics. He's always a giant purple guy, which sounds stupid, but worked really well in the comics. But kind of the thing about it, Galactus is everybody sees Galactus as if he was a member of their race. So humans seem as humans, scrolls seem as a scroll, Cree seem as Cree. It's because he's playing a trick on your mind when he appears to you. He is not he's a manifestation of a concept. So Marvel in the comics, in the ultimate universe, if I remember correctly, decided to make Galactus a cloud, but not like they did in the movie, like a cloud, almost like a cloud of space locust. I've seen in some things where he was, there was like a big device, a planet like thing. Yeah. It's a ship that he piloted and Mm -hmm. wasn't always like just the size of a planet. It was like, almost like a moon size. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. And he, but he was, he was smaller and inhabited or piloted or whatever this, thing and it's not like he was planet sized but he was many stories tall yeah but not but not full planet size i think what which is what you originally saw him as. so i've seen him at that smaller interpretation i think even that would have worked yeah. way better but i mean they they didn't keep him as a cloud very long <laughs> so, even in the comics they go well we showed that we could do it better but this is still not smart. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna shift it. Uh, we're gonna combine him with the original Galactus just to give him a power boost and make him more frightening. Um, so, all right. So they did Galactus wrong. The Silver Surfer graphics were okay. I'll go with okay. I mean, he was shiny and looked kind of right. I mean, Doug Jones, man. If you're gonna get somebody to model somebody in CGI, it's got to be Doug Jones. Um, and then getting the voice of Lawrence Fishburne in the process. Um, that's a solid combo for a Silver Surfer. I mean, I can't fault the casting on that one. It's not like Doug, uh, like a Silver Surfer is some just stacked dude. No. He, he's very, he's got a very toned uh, look to him. But right. He's not like jacked by any stage. No. Any so, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's. And the CGI that they did for him on the planet was pretty decent. The bit where he melted through his surfboard, I don't ever remember seeing that in the comics. I thought it was a bit of a stretch in interpretation, but not a terrible one. I mean, it was it was okay. Um, there were just some, some really awkward um, bits of dialogue in the film. And the plot was just so weak. Um, and it was just awkward all along. I mean, it's, it's it's like they didn't know how to be able to keep a positive group of superheroes, yet present them with a problem on, on a plausible plot. That's a lot of pluh sounds, but I swear it's important. Um, 
important. Important, yeah. And, and then it and it just make it work. It just it fell apart. It it was terrible. Well, I think I think part of it is okay. So you have the origin story in the first one, and you introduce Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom makes sense presented incorrectly, but makes sense basically. Yeah, he, he's the when you think of when you think of the Fantastic Four. I would say most likely you you think of Doctor Doom, right? Yeah, um, he's key. There, there was no scrolls, and so you couldn't do the super scrolls or anything like no. that. Um, what was it? Mole Man? Is that like, M- Mole Man? Is a classic villain. Yeah, would have been r- really, really cool. Fin Fang Foom. But those are oddball characters to introduce on something where you have no world or no behind, n- nothing set up, right? So. Galactus kind of made sense, but not really. Because yeah. You had nothing, nothing outer worldly. Um, besides, they went to the satellite thing and then got blasted by the stuff. Like there's, there's no outside Earth stuff. Now I'll admit the team that I or the the enemy that I would have chosen for the second film, it's not a great name because it's it's classic, you know, 60s, 70s comics where. When you name stuff, it, it didn't always, it sounded catchy at first because it's for kids. And then when you think about it, it's like, yeah, that's just lame, <laughs> but frightful for. That's who should who they should have done as their second villain. You go from dealing with Dr. Doom, which should never have been their first villain, but okay. Go from Dr. Doom, one villain, to four individuals with powers, just like they have, and presents them with difficulties because there are genius level intellects that they they basically match up really well against the fantastic four depending upon how it's written in the comics they're kind of laughable at times but when done right it can work really really well that should have been uh that should have been it and in fact you could have even snuck in like um you could have snuck in just a little uh teaser a little easter egg you could have put the wrecking crew as the first group of four that they fight. Mm, Wrecking Crew would have been, yeah. Right. They get beat all the time because they're just not that strong or smart. And that's about it. So you could show them in team combat and just handily beating the snot out of the Wrecking Crew early in the film and then bring in a real team that is an actual threat at the end or towards the the middle to, to build them up. It yeah, I like the concept of the Wrecking Crew because those characters are fun, bad, bad guys. Right. It's just that that would have been simple to me. But uh, so, I mean, we've kind of talked. I had, I didn't go deep into who was in the film because, I mean, we've already talked about it with the previous uh, Fantastic Four film and most of it. I mean, it's it's carried over all the all all the major cast mm-hmm. as the same director. So, I mean, nothing really changed there. No. Um, but uh, we talked about Doug Jones and Lawrence Fishburne. And that's, I mean, for the most part, the only thing that's worth um, mentioning that's uh, that's in there. I mean, Andre Brower is in it as uh, General Hager. Mm, yes. And he's awesome, generally. And he was awesome in this. You need somebody that looks really menacing and serious without being, you know, just, yeah, bring him in. He can do it. I like it yeah but uh overall not a great film i have i have the horror to say that i have seen it more than once i mean because you want to like it that's the thing yeah like maybe i missed something no i didn't no i didn't miss anything <laughs> now i'm missing an hour and a half of my life <laughs> um also daredevil um released by 20th century fox it was Fox. Okay. I, I couldn't remember one where it may have been released by Fox, but actually owned by another company that sometimes happens. Yeah. So at the, at the, a lot of these movies that we've talked about have been Fox. Yeah. I, I lose track. I'm still in the process of doing some research on something that's going to go with that uh, database of the, the history of where characters are and where they went production companies. Now, a lot of this information is already out there. You can find it. Um, but I'm going to conglomerate it all into one place. Hmm. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. I, if I had one thing and I saw on your list, you had, um, X-Men would have been one to do. I, 
I, I think X-Men in general, it's great that they're going to get a little bit of a rehash, but there's just certain X-Men characters I think would be great or need to have some. In- I mean, there's so many of them. Oh right? yeah. There's a ton. I mean, we've, we've mentioned before that juggernaut needs a true representation and we finally got something approaching it. Something close. I would like to see X factor, the multiple man led X factor that, that could be such a good movie because all of the characters for the most part are in the power range where they're powerful enough to be interesting but not so powerful to not be relatable. You want know, like strong guy in there? Yeah, strong guys in there. Um, Wolvesbane is in there. Um, is it Polaris? I'm trying to remember. I think with the green hair. Yeah, I think that's Polaris. And I think there was like one other person. So, but but not Havoc. But not Havoc. No, I like Havoc, but he wasn't in that iteration. Uh, but it was because they were basically kind of almost like a detective agency at that point. It was such a really different take on the team. I thought that would have been fantastic. Um, I would love to see, and I, they, they almost kind of did it briefly. There's a deleted scene in Deadpool two. And I've, there's, there's rumors that he's going to show up in one of the streaming series on Disney plus Omega red. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am. I'm hoping I heard it maybe uh, winter soldier, but, um, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier might be where he shows up. Yeah, that that character I think would be really cool. Yeah, it's visually neat. Uh, uh, History wise, kind of not as impressive, but doesn't matter. He looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, actually, that's uh, that's um... something with red and um, tent. Yeah, no, I, I was actually just leaving it. We're going to leave it there and then see if anybody noticed that we ended the episode. Oh. <laughs> we should do that then. <laughs> just like, what happened? No, but no, that's that's where my hopes lie. I, I don't want to put my hope in Disney because they are the evil empire. Well, an evil empire. There are so many of them. Um, and But they have what I love. And I'm, I'm going to pay them money. It's just going to happen. They're the ones that are doing it right. So, yeah, it's like I went to uh, to Walmart earlier today. I don't like supporting Walmart, but they've got such a selection. <laughs> they've got so much stuff. And it's generally speaking, it's laid, laid out well. And it's like I, I don't want to support them. But if I can't find this stuff other places, I don't have a whole lot of other choices. Yeah. But at least you can also go there like 2 o'clock in the morning and find those things. Yeah. No doubt about that. But uh, tell us what you think. Did we miss any? Are there some television television shows? Are there some characters that you uh, have seen done badly on on the movie stage and you would like to see get another chance with uh, some recasting or uh, uh, some better CGI, let us know that we're going to ignore that. uh, And that's a whole other discussion. But until next time, uh, dream of your superpowers and we'll uh, fly to you later. Is that right? Oh, so your power is flying. Okay. It's a power. 